I was listening to the music at nine o'clock and I was backstage getting ready to come out to preach. <clears throat> and I thought about the sermon that God laid on my heart to preach 26 years ago in the small little sanctuary up on the corner that I believe if I had picked any message that was a turning point for Mount Horeb, it was that message. And the little whisper in my ear is that, Jeff, today this message is the message that's a turning point for this congregation. That what will this church be like in 26 years if we put into practice what God's word is saying to us today? Father God, I pray that you would pour it out upon us. Pour your Holy Spirit upon us, even as you did upon the early church, and the church exploded. The church reached the world. And may, Father God, you continue to use your church, the body of Christ, here at Mount Horeb and all over this community, all over this country, all over this world, to bring the good news of Jesus to everyone. So give me the words to speak. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. 26 years ago, um, there was a gentleman that showed up at our church. His name was Mickey. And Mickey was quite a character. He, he was a guy that thought out of the box. We went to play golf one time. He had a brand new driver. And he had spent the night before filing down or sanding down the grooves off the face of his driver. Because he believed that if you took the grooves off the face of the driver, the ball would spin less and therefore go further. Now, we thought he was crazy, but you can't buy a driver today that has grooves on the sweet spot because it will cause the ball to spin too much and reduce your distance. So Mickey was out of the box. He had made a lot of money in video poker, but then he gave his life to Jesus. And as he gave his life to Jesus, he showed up here at Mount Horeb. And he was trying to make a difference in the world. And he wanted to tell everybody about the somebody that had saved his soul. His name was Jesus. And so he had this idea uh, that he came to me with. And the idea was to start a men's uh, suit company, right? And so he ordered a bunch of these suits from China and they got here. And what he was going to do with these suits is he was going to put on the sleeves a, blood, uh, a red uh, thread that would be a symbol of blood. And then on the side right here, he would put another red stitch for whenever Jesus was wounded with the spear. And they were called witness suits, right? And so a genius idea, he was out of the box, right? And so people would wear these suits and, they, and, and say, what's that on your sleeve? And he said, well, that represents what Jesus did for me on the cross. He died on the cross for my sins. Well, I agreed to be the model, right? I was going to be the online model. Uh, somebody said they still had a picture of that. Uh, I think the internet's been scrubbed of those pictures, so don't go looking for them. But I was the model for these witness suits, right? So Mickey gave me 10 suits, and they hung in my closet. And I realized about two years later that because of these suits had been discounted significantly from China, that they were full of moths, right? And my closet was full of moths. And it had eaten Lynn's clothes, my clothes, but he was out of the box. Let me just say, out of the box thinking, how can we tell everyone about the good news of Jesus Christ? Last week, Chad had a great message. I mean, it was one of the best messages I think has ever been preached in this room about how to get outside the box. And to get outside the box means we move from surviving to thriving. You know, 27 years ago, Mount Horb was trying to survive. And because we were willing to get out of the box and the Holy Spirit began to move in amazing ways, this church began to thrive. We do away with the phrases like, we've never done it that way, or that won't work. We've never tried it. Being outside the box means that we hold on to the message. We hold on to the mission of biblical Christianity, but we're willing to change the methods to reach a changing world. Now, church, make no mistake that we are now living in a post-Christian culture. 
a post-truth world. And, and following Jesus Christ is going to be tougher than it has been for us in the past. And as Christians, we will find ourselves more and more living on the fringes of culture, on the outside more than being on the inside. But don't forget that in the early church, in the book of Acts, the first church, that they, it was born and exploded in a pre-Christian world. And if the church could be born and explode in a pre-Christian world, I believe the church can explode in a post-Christian world if we allow God to do what only God can do. Now, how did that happen in the early church? The early Christians were bold. They were full of the Holy Spirit. They were full of love. And they definitely were willing to get out of the box. Now, when we stay in the box, it usually means we're being stubborn or being hard-headed, being unwilling to change, set in our ways, stuck in the past, holding on to something that is hindering our future blessings. And the box is a metaphor for preconceived ideas that we think we know how to do church best. And so we're unwilling to change because we've never done it that way before. If you look at history, the church, the body of Christ has flourished when it's willing to get out of the box. In the book of Acts again, we see the church pivoting because Jesus Christ has come into the world. Jesus Christ has lived, he has died, he has resurrected, and Jesus has come to establish a new covenant, a, a new people, a new mission to reach the world for the kingdom of God. And then typically what we do when God does something great, we try to package it and put it in a box and try to contain it. You can't contain the movement of God. You look at history and someone like Martin Luther, who formed the Protestant Reformation out of the Roman Catholic Church. Look at John Wesley, who was an Anglican priest who, who was frustrated that the Anglican Church was not reaching the poor and the coal miners. So he took the message into the coal fields. He took the message into the community. You look at other great movements. As a Methodist church, we're on the cups of a new global Methodist movement. I was looking today, uh, Greg Groeschel is one of the people I like to follow on, on social media. He was a former Methodist pastor who started Life Church out of Oklahoma City. They now have 27 campuses that reach 100,000 people every week. Out of the box thinking. Elevation Church that many of us are familiar with in Charlotte uh, in 2019 had 30,000 professions of faith. That's out of the box. That's spreading the good news for everyone to hear. I was reading on their, on their 219 year-end report. In 219, before COVID hit, before church went virtual, they had 87 million views of their worship services. That's out of the box. We mentioned that here on Friday night, I was here. Uh, we had John Eldridge, a national speaker, on a virtual feed. We had uh, Carlos Whitaker, a national speaker, on a virtual feed. Our bishop was with us. We filmed this. We had 500 plus men that we either watched it online or were in person in churches around the state, but something out of the box. Now, I'm not talking about mega churches. I want you to hear this. I'm talking about movements. I'm talking about the movement of God. God is all about movement, and he's moving his church forward. So this scripture this morning I want to read to you comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. If you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's word? Again, Luke writes these words, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him as they strained to see him rising into heaven. Two white robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he'll return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Pour it out, Father God. Do it again, Father God. You may be seated. I can just read this scripture and I can, I can just imagine the thoughts of someone who is non-Christian, who is living in a post-truth world where truth is relative to what they believe and how we as Christians would believe that Jesus was born, died, buried three days, resurrected from the dead, ascended into heaven. But I'm telling you, we've got to tell the good news. We've got to tell the world what God has done through Jesus Christ. Now, these are the last words that Jesus spoke on planet earth. And usually when somebody gives us their last words, we better pay attention because they are usually important. Last words. So here's a question I want you to think about throughout the day. Is Jesus' last command our first concern? Is his last command our first concern? Is it our priority to pay attention to these last words that Jesus spoke? And I believe that whenever we experience the power of the Holy Spirit, it becomes our first concern. Now, without the Holy Spirit, it's just going to be words. It's going to be words we read during Pentecost Sunday when we celebrate the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, these words become our concern. Now, the Greek word for power here is dunamis. It means dynamo, dynamic. It's the root word for dynamite. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you, through the Holy Spirit, the dynamite you need to knock down the walls of the boxes you find yourself in. I'm going to knock down the walls of the boxes you find yourself in. See, through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is offering you the power you need to serve God well. Somebody say amen to that. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is offering you the power you need to serve God well in this world. To overcome temptation, to overcome trials, to go through trying times like COVID, power to break down spiritual strongholds in your life, power to break down the strongholds that are keeping people locked in spiritual darkness. I believe that the Holy Spirit has the power to reach a post-Christian world. Unlock spiritual strongholds. Now, just a, a quick theology lesson for maybe somebody here who's seeking to know more about God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus to come and lead us into all truth. Why is the world struggling with truth today? Because the world is not listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to convince us of our sin. Why is the world struggling with sin today? Because we're not listening to the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to comfort us in our pain and give us discernment and wisdom. He comes to give us power to be living witnesses. So when we talk about being a witness, we talk about having a testimony. If you try to be a witness without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be probably a failure. You're going to be intimidated. You're going to be run over. Somebody's going to get into an argument with you, a debate with you. But when you're witnessing, speaking through the power of the Holy Spirit, 
He is moving. He is speaking. Now, I believe that Jesus is preparing his disciples. He's preparing us to go and tell. But it's important as we get ready to go and tell, being is more important than doing. Being in a relationship with Jesus is crucial. Being committed to who Jesus says he is is crucial. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is vital. Being always precedes doing. Too often times in the church, we want to be about doing before we're about being. Being the children of God. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being empowered by God's might. And then we're able to go and do. You know, these disciples were witnesses because they saw firsthand Jesus living. They heard his teaching. They saw him die on a cross. They experienced him resurrected from the dead. In fact, Chad talked about that last week, that for 40 days, Jesus spent 40 days convincing the disciples that he had been raised from the dead. Eyewitnesses. What about us? We, we didn't see Jesus walk on the earth. We didn't hear Jesus teach verbally. We didn't see him hanging on a cross literally. We didn't spend 40 days with him after his resurrection. What about us? I love what Jesus said to Thomas in John 20, 29. Jesus says, so you believe because you've seen with your own eyes. Even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. Those who believe without seeing. See, the Holy Spirit awakens in us. I believe that as Christ followers, we have a living testimony because once we were spiritually dead in our sins. But then through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus came into our life and raised us into new life. And this power is within us. Now, to be a witness, you don't have to be an expert. You, you don't have to be perfect. I love the story in John chapter four. I want to go there for just a minute. It's the story of the woman at the well. And, and Jesus goes into the, into, into the Sumerian uh, countryside, a place that good Jews didn't go into. It was off limits, so to speak. They would go all the way around Samaria to get to Jerusalem on their journeys. But they, they're willing, he's willing to go into Samaria. He meets a woman at a well. And this woman, in a, in a dialogue with Jesus, Jesus tells her her whole story and that she's currently living with a man who's not her husband and she's had five previous husbands. And she's been searching for meaning. She's been searching for purpose. And Jesus uses the analogy of the well and says, I can give you some water that you won't thirst anymore. You're searching for meaning in all these relationships, trying to find meaning from all these people, but you need some living water, water that will cause you not to thirst anymore. It is, it is the very presence of salvation and the presence of the Holy Spirit in this woman. And then I love how John writes in, in these verses in 39 through 42, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When, when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Many more to hear his message and believe. And, and then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves, Now we know that he indeed is indeed the savior of the world. I can't tell you what it was a relief for me as a, as a young pastor 
when I learned that I didn't save anybody. It wasn't my job to save anybody. It was my job to tell them what Jesus had done in my life and what Jesus had done in Scripture. And then once they met Jesus, he told them everything they needed to know. And he began to save them. He saved them. The Holy Spirit began to convict them, convince them, and save them. What a relief it was as a pastor to go, I don't have to save anybody. I just got to tell the good news of what Jesus Christ. I'm a nobody telling everybody about somebody that saved my soul. Amen? Amen. Now, the disciples uh, are going to receive the Holy Spirit here in a little bit later on in this chapter. And when the disciples receive the Holy Spirit, Jesus sends out the new church. This, this is the story of the book of Acts. To go and tell from the temple to the town, from the seminary to the streets, from the church to the community. And the first place Jesus tells them to go to be a witness is in Jerusalem. I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Now, I always thought that Jerusalem meant uh, go home. Start, start your message at home. But I, but I realized in looking at this text, that's not what it means. Because if, if, if the disciples had gone home to tell people about Jesus, they would have gone to Galilee because that was their home. But, but, but they begin in Jerusalem. And, and what that means to me is Jesus is saying, start where you are. Start where I planted you. Start where I put you and be a witness there. And, and, and that's not always a safe place. Because Jesus got crucified in Jerusalem. And yet that's where they start talking about Jesus, the place he was crucified. So we're called to be faithful, to be a witness where we are, even when we're outnumbered, even when we're in a minority, even when we may be the only believer present, we are to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And then he says, go to Samaria or Judea and Samaria. And for me, Samaria is the place you don't want to be. Go be a witness where you don't want to go be a witness. Because that's what, for the Jews, Samaria would have been a place to avoid. They, they worship God in their own temple, not in Jerusalem. They didn't believe in all the Old Testament. They only believed in the first five books of the Old Testament. But that's where Jesus met the woman at the well. And this woman told her whole town about Jesus, and many of them believed I didn't know this about the woman at the well. I began to read about her. And the historical sources report that she went on to be an unstoppable witness for Jesus. In the Eastern Orthodox Church, the oldest church denomination on the planet, gave her the title equal to the apostles. The woman at the well, married five times, at that time living with a man who wasn't her husband because she met Jesus and the Holy Spirit gave her Living water, she became, according to the Greek Orthodox Church, equal to the apostles because of her extraordinary witness. Now, hear this. Jesus calls ordinary people to reach ordinary people in extraordinary ways through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the story goes on when Emperor Nero heard of her impact. He summoned her to Rome. And the woman at the well shared Jesus with Nero. Then he ordered her tortured and she died the death of a martyr. Maybe it's why Jesus said, first go to Jerusalem, Judea, and then go to Samaria. Because there's a woman there that I've witnessed to that I share with is changing the world. You've got to go to Samaria also. That means go to the places and the people you've written off as unreachable. And all of us have got that category, right? The people that are unreachable, 
These people are so lost, they will never believe in the gospel and they'll make fun of me. They'll condemn me. But that's where Jesus says to go. Today, Samaria is the West Bank. It's one of the unsafest places in the world. But remember, the most powerful stories come out of Samaria. And then he says, go to the ends of the earth. For me, that means go as far as you can imagine. For the early church, it was Rome. For Mount Horeb, years ago, it was our first global mission trip. It was our first mission partner. It was inviting Prashanth from India to be our first ministry intern. It's waiting for COVID to get over so we can have uh, Garma come here as our first intern from Liberia. It's going to the ends of the earth. You see, Jesus' last command should be our first concern. It shouldn't be our second, third, fourth. It should be our first concern. Now, I think it's fascinating that Jesus, if we look closely at Scripture, if we believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that John 1 says that Jesus was in the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and then the Word became flesh, the incarnation. Jesus dwelt among us, the, the mystery of the, of the incarnation, the mystery of the Trinity. So Jesus was with God in the beginning at creation. And Jesus' fingerprints are all over creation. And that tells me that Jesus likes to make things work. I believe that when Jesus gave these last words, he expected there to be results. He expected there to be tangible, eternal fruit. You know, if you look at Jesus in the gospel, he was not pleased when fishermen didn't catch fish. So he told him, hey, you can catch some fish over here. Jesus was frustrated by, by, by things that didn't work the way they were supposed to work, I believe. Seed that didn't bear fruit, fig trees that didn't bear fruit. When all the sheep were not found, Jesus says, I gotta go find the one that's missing. We gotta have all the sheep in the fold. A missing coin, a prodigal son not at home. Jesus expected his last words to come about. He expects us to live and fulfill his last words. Chad made a profound statement last week that, that probably made us think a little bit. He said, we'll be married four or five times in our lifetime. The question is whether or not it'll be to the same person. What, is it, what does that mean? Then I realized he's exactly right that as we, as we grow in marriage, we change as people. And, I, and it got me thinking that as a pastor here at this great church for 27 years, I've pastored five or six churches at the same location because you've changed. This church has changed from a little church to what it is today, and who knows what God's going to do next, right? And, and so a pastor should be pastoring different churches as the church is growing and expanding and becoming, fulfilling the mission of God. I, you know, I, I believe that God called and God is still calling Mount Horeb to get out of the box. Somebody say amen to that. I'm so thankful for the original Mount Horbites. Can I call, can I call you that? Horbites, uh, the people of Mount Horeb, who are willing to get out of the box. Now, I asked for a show of hands in the, in the first service. There was one person in the first service who was here 27 years ago. And I know there's at least one person here 27 years ago because I saw John Gunner sitting out there right back over there in the yellow shirt. So if you were here 27 years ago, would you raise your hand? John? <laughs> John? Somebody give John a hand, right? That's right. Hey, John. Now I'm telling you that John and his family were willing to get out of the box. They made it possible for you to be here today, to be the church Jesus was calling us to be, to start where we were, 
to go places we did not want to go, to do things we'd never done before. I remember that first contemporary service up in the old sanctuary, the chapel. And I remember walking by the class, Sunday school class that I forgot about that was right behind the sanctuary when the drums were playing. And I walked by and the people were doing this right here. And they go, I'm toast, I'm done. You know, we're, this is a little too far out of the box for them. But I remember how that ex- expanded into what we have in this room here today. I remember that first fifth quarter, the battle of the bands, that was bad. The bull rides, I tried it one time. All the stuff we did to reach students after the football games when we had basically one high school in the area. I remember building the, the, the auditorium over there and I walked around, it was brand new. This, is, this shows you the heart of our church. It was brand new, right? We had not even had a worship service in the building, the new building, the new sanctuary, the family life center, and we had a fifth quarter first. You know what I did that night? I walked around with a bottle of 409 and paper towels. Street, wipe it up, street, wipe it up. And somebody came to me and said, put the bottle down. This is God being out of the box. They didn't say that, but that's what they were saying. It's just, you need to relax because God is doing something new and scuff marks are okay. You know, we build it for scuff marks. It's good. I remember the first multiple sessions of Vacation Bible School, the first mission partner, the first new member class. And sometimes we want to wait till everything is perfect before we get out of the box, before we start to do anything. But getting out of the box means we start where we are with what we have, when we can, and then God shows how big he is. Amen? We just start where we are with what we have, when we can, then the Holy Spirit moves and reveals how good and how big God is. Now, word of warning. To all of you who did not raise your hand, all of you Mount Horbites that didn't raise your hand, don't put Mount Hor back in the box, right? Don't be the one that says, well, we can't do that because we've never done it that way. Really? <laughs> You're not gonna go there, right? So let's not do that, amen? Let, let's be open to what the Holy Spirit is calling us to be and calling us to do because I don't know what God's gonna do. And I believe that 26 years from now, we can look back on this moment and what God's about to do in this moment and go, wow, I'm so glad we stepped out in faith. I'm so glad that we, we trusted the Holy Spirit to do mighty things in our midst and the story has not yet been written, amen? Now, to be effective witnesses in this post-Christian world, we've got to look at things a little differently. I look at how Jesus reached the woman at the well. We're going to require, it's going to require more personal encounters and less proclamation. What I mean by that, I love to proclamate. <laughs> Is that a word? I love to give proclamation. But in an unchristian world, in a post-Christian world, people aren't going to come to church as much. And so you've got to go have a personal encounter with them and tell them about Jesus. We, we've got to have more dialogue and less debate. That's hard for me because I like to debate. I like to argue about, about faith and theology, but we got to have more dialogue, less debate. We, we got to have real relationships with people, not stale religion. We got to lead with compassion and courage to reach people. And we've got to disagree in love, but not compromise for the sake of love. We can disagree in love, but not compromise for the sake of love. And then a word about Jesus' ascension that makes all this possible. Jesus ascends to reign until his return. And we read about it here next. Listen to what Jesus said in John 16. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Now the disciples are going, why why is that good for us, Jesus? 
We want you to be with us all the time, 24-7. You know, we're just now starting to catch on. But what does he say? If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Because if I don't go, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And then Paul writes these words in Ephesians. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might what? Fill the entire universe with himself. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is present in your life. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is present in this room, but he's also present downtown Columbia, downtown Lexington, in Liberia, in India, he is present. Through the Holy Spirit, he is present to be with us. The Holy Spirit is no, Jesus is no longer limited to one place, one time, but in all places at all times. I love these words from E. Stanley Jones. He says, unless the Holy Spirit fills, the human spirit fails. Unless the Holy Spirit fills, the human spirit fails. Now, I want you to hear this. The Bible says that where two or three are gathered together, Jesus is present. I believe that. But when the Holy Spirit is in this room, it's because the Holy Spirit is in you. And when the Holy Spirit is in you, the Holy Spirit's in the room. Because whenever you leave here, the Holy Spirit doesn't hang out here, right? You, you take the Holy Spirit with you because he's in you. And, and if you are trying to do this Christian walk without the Holy Spirit, you will fail and you will fall. So I, today, I, I did this Friday morning with the men um, that pray with me on Friday mornings. We prayed that we on Friday morning would be filled anew with the Holy Spirit. And we prayed that you, the people of Mount Hor, would be filled with the Holy Spirit. So as we close this sermon, I, I want us to spend a few minutes praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Will you pray this morning with me three things? One, a desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, give me a desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, for that to happen, you've got to confess your sins, let God cleanse you, and then ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Again, Jesus said to the woman at the well, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. You want some of that? Ask God for a desire to be thirsty. Secondly, ask for the faith to believe God's promise. God promises to give his Holy Spirit. I love in, in Luke 11, Jesus says, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's a promise. If you ask the Lord today, to, to, Lord, give me your Holy Spirit, he's gonna say, okay. I wanna pour, your, pour my spirit upon you. Now, I believe there can be supernatural events that happen whenever the Holy Spirit comes upon people things that we are maybe a little scared of, things that we're not sure what's going to happen next because the Holy Spirit's moving and, 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 and I'm gushing over and, and God's working. It's powerful when that happens. And then number three, will you pray for a willingness to surrender? You see, it's our determination to be independent that makes us unavailable to God. Our, our commitment to being independent. I want to be in charge, God. I, I want to do this Christian thing my way. But when, when we seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we begin to do things God's way. So would you pray with me right now? Let's pray right now as a church. Let's pray right now for God's Holy Spirit to fill each of us. Will you right now, will you say, Father God, I want to confess my sins to you. I want to ask you to forgive me and cleanse me. 
Thank you, Father God, for through, through Jesus' ascension, you sent the Holy Spirit into the world. And you desire to give the Holy Spirit to your people. The same Holy Spirit that, that, that brings fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Father God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to, help me to begin to have living water so I don't thirst for the things that disappoint. Thirst for the things that feel good for a while, but then always have bad side effects. Father, fill your people. Move in us in a mighty way. And Lord, use us to be your witnesses so the world that is dying would find life. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Move in our midst. I ask this in the strong name of Jesus, who sits at your right hand, Father God, with all authority, in Jesus' name, come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen and amen. When I was 14 years old, I was a new believer. Some of you heard this story. And I was at a Christian coffee house at a Nazarene church in Flatwoods, Kentucky. And the speaker had challenged us to be a witness, to go tell someone about Jesus. Just go tell somebody about Jesus during the break. Well, I did what some of us do at 14. I, I went to the upstairs of the sanctuary of that little Nazarene church and I went to the altar and I prayed. And I prayed and I prayed. And I said to myself, if I keep praying, the music's gonna start pretty soon. And I, I don't have to tell anybody about Jesus because I don't know what to say. I'm just a nobody. I don't know anything. I'm, I'm 14. So I prayed and I prayed and the music started, right? Oh, it's good, good, good. I stood up in that little sanctuary and there was a voice in the back that said, hey, would you tell me about the person you're praying to? Me? Me? I'm just a nobody. And with the help of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, I went back there and I shared what little bit I knew about Jesus, how he had saved my soul, changed my life, this 19-year-old young man, I found out later, was there with his parole officer from the prison there in Ashland, Kentucky. And he received Jesus Christ into his life that night. Because I was just a nobody telling someone about somebody who has saved my soul. And then out of all that, Jesus called me to be a nobody who tells everybody about the somebody who saved my soul. Let's stand and worship. And will you allow the Holy Spirit to sing to you today? And when you leave here, be willing to tell everybody about the somebody named Jesus that can save their soul.